Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to to come together and to meet you. Not that we can't meet you throughout the day, but to come together as a group. There's something about, and you've told us this in your word, that you inhabit. You actually move into the praises of your people. When we give our praise together, there's a way you're here uniquely. And so thank you for being here now. And, and use this time, even the words that come from me, that your spirit might give us all greater wisdom. That we might be more proverbial streetwise, not just in our heads, but in the way that we actually live. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, some of you know there's a, a, another one of these um, video YouTube things that has gone viral of a Florida woman who um, was contemptuous before a judge. This 18-year-old Penelope Soto stood before a judge, kind of laughing, and he gave the sentence, and as she walked out, she um, flipped him off and was then given a 30-day sentence, and then later came back in, in great kind of repentant tears, and then he vacated the sentence, and, and she said she learned her lesson, and this is a lesson for respect. And what I found really interesting, and this was a... A new show that I, I actually saw it. I went to it and, and looked at the clip, and it's um, one that I won't name, but it's 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 a little um, animal that's real sly and goes into gardens and can you know, spoil the vineyards. Anyway, um, rather conservative news program, and they had a little debate afterwards, and I found it really interesting that the one individual was saying. I can't believe that she came back and repented. She, I like the old Penelope. I like the contemporary. I like this Penelope. I wanted to do that to a judge and, and was kind of standing behind her, her anger. And I thought, wow, that's weird. And I just thought, we live in a really angry culture. It's all around us. People, you know, I think we kind of move in a sea of angry people where people are are frustrated, disappointed, they're lonely, their lives are fearful. They have this internal temperature. They're like pressure cookers, about 210 degrees. And just the little thing that might happen sets them up to 212 and they pop off. I mean, you see it all the time. You see bench-clearing brawls in any and every sport. You'll just watch politicians or political news shows where they pour out contemptuous condemnation, which is all a form of anger. Business offices boil over with these angry invectives because the profits aren't measuring up to what they should be. Parents will stand on the sideline. Anybody seen this or themselves maybe done it? And will fly off at a ref for a decision that he made in their six-year-old's you know, sport. And you can just drive down the road and you can do something maybe wrong and just get in the way of someone and you can be honk at or you'll be honking at someone. And as you see this person drive by, they give you this funny little wave with their you know, finger. I don't know what that's all about. In fact, a few years ago, um, the auto industry was actually programming cars to have kind of an angry voice. You remember this? And they, and they stopped doing this. But you would get close to a car and it would actually bark out, you're too close. You're invading my space. Anybody remember that? 
It just pervades our culture. There are angry people all around us. There are opportunities to become frustrated, irritated, agitated, aggravated, exasperated, infuriated, indignant, incensed, enraged, vexed, livid, mad, upset, furious, fuming, raging, riled, rankled, and just plain ticked off. And that's about half the words for anger. It is something that is so pervasive that you just have a ton of of actual words, just go in and the synonyms for it and follow the trail of them is amazing. And so as we've been looking at this passage of Scripture and looking in in Proverbs, you have to ask yourself, is there any advice in God's word, specifically in Proverbs, for how to handle your anger? We've been in this series streetwise and and we've heard this before from Proverbs chapter one, verses 20 through 21. Lady Wisdom has advice. The scripture says she goes out into the streets and shouts at the town center. She makes her speech in the middle of the traffic, the busiest corner, she calls out. Proverbs 8, 1 through 6 goes on a little further and says something very similar. She's taken her stand at first in Maine at the busiest intersect, right in the city square where the traffic is the thickest. She shouts, listen, learn good sense, shape up, don't miss a word. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live your best. And what it says in that passage of Scripture, she calls out to anyone and to everyone who wants to hear. So this morning, I would like for us to focus on this simple question of how do you handle your anger? When your temper flares, what do you do? Would you like to live better? Would you like to, as Lady Wisdom says, live well in relationship with other people? Would you like to be a better performer at work? Would you like To have better physical health, because anger affects all those things. So, to handle anger well and effectively, we're going to use kind of a similar thing as we did last week when we talked about this whole idea of authority, leading, and managing. To handle anger well and effectively, there are some important things that I believe the wisdom literature, Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes and even Job, share. And that is there are some things to know. There's something you need to understand with regard to anger, and there's a plan you have to determine. You need to know, understand, and determine some things. And you need to know ways you currently deal with your anger. You need to understand what anger is, and you need to determine a plan on how you're going to handle that appropriately. So the first, let's look at this effectively. What are the ways you currently handle your anger? To be effective and wise with this reaction of anger, How are you currently handling it? Well, Proverbs is very interesting as you look at this word here, because you'll find in Proverbs again and again, there are descriptions of three kinds of people. There are ways that people handle things in life. And we're going to look at next week how you use your words. And we're going to ask at one point how you use your time. But they kind of break it down into three ways. There is the person who is wise. There is the person who is a fool. And there is the person who is evil. So there are three kinds of people. So really, you're going to fall into one of these three. And my guess is you'll probably end up in one of those at one point or another. You won't always be in one. But people basically elicit three responses when angered. The wise person, catch what the wise person does. Anger is controlled and you become its master. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs about the person who is wise. Anger is controlled, and as it comes, you become its master. Proverbs 29, verses 8, 9, and 11 says, Mockers stir up a city, but the wise men turn away wrath. 
If a wise man goes to, to court with a fool, the fool rages and scoffs. There's no peace. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but catch this. A wise person keeps himself under control. So you get this idea that when anger flares up, they, they're able to kind of look at it, control it, harness it, and become its master. The fool, according to Proverbs, Anger is in control. It comes up. It controls you and you become its slave. If you look again at Proverbs 29, verse 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger. The idea is, you know, you you have no valve to check that when it flares up, it takes control of you. And now you are a slave to this energy, this emotion. The Amplified says it this way, a self-confident fool utters all his anger. But a wise man holds it back and stills it. Kind of like a person who um, is riding a horse and the horse starts going crazy. The wise person has the ability to, to kind of still it and rein it in and, and, and harness it. Whereas the fool, it just takes over and does what it's going to do. It's this kind of response that you've seen it where you look at somebody and go, whoa, he's out of control. Or, or she's lost it. I um, had an experience once, um, and my family actually has a name for this kind of behavior. They, they call it, um, and really it's a name for me, it, they call it Airport Kev. I don't know if there's any Airport Bobs, Tims, or Susie, or Sally's, or anything out there, but there's Airport Kev. There was a time when my kids were little, and we were in an airport, and we were coming through Puerto Rico, and, and as we were in this airport, I was in these nice white shorts that I was, you know... I, they were nice and white, and I'm sitting next to my daughter, and she's messing around, and she took her ketchup, and somehow it went all over my white shorts, and, and that was airport Kev. It's the idea you're out of control, and you look like a fool. And I looked like a fool, and she had a little friend along, and I'm you know, Pastor Kevin. Wow. The idea is, as you're out of control, uh, Proverbs 27.4 puts it this way, anger is cruel, and it's fury overwhelming. It takes over, gains control, and, it, and you're its slave. It's in charge. And you need to realize this. You choose to become its slave. We're going to talk a little more about it, but you actually choose to become its slave. Evil. So what does the evil person do? Anger is in control. And here's the catch. You've got to catch this. You become its ally. You're now its friend. You're its business partner. I found this interesting as going through this whole study that when you find the person who is wise and you see how they respond and the fool, the fool is just a person who goes a step further. And now you take this what's occurring. You're not only a slave, but you go, you know what, I'm one step further. I'm going to become your business associate. We're going to use this in a way that really hurts someone and harms someone and is destructive. Proverbs 21, 7 says, The violence of the wicked will drag them away for they refuse to do what is right. They amplify the violence of the wicked shall sweep them away. It's not merely just uncontrolled anger that you see in the fool, but it's the wicked, it takes it a step further. Proverbs 24, 2 says, For their hearts, catch this, plot violence. They, they take anger and they move it to a place of violence. And their lips talk about making trouble. Do you know, it's, it's similar to what you see when you, a person gets sentenced for murder. Do you have a first degree and second degree? There's a difference between the two. First degree is, is this premeditated, planned out, and often very cruel action. Where second degree is more this idea it's not planned out. So what you have in evil is the person who's in kind of what I call this first degree behavior with their anger. 
So now, if you're thinking about it and saying, you know, where do I fall? Do I find myself with my anger kind of in control and beginning to master it? Or am I more like the fool? The next thing I want you to think about is this. To, to, to handle anger well and effectively, it's important that you understand what anger is. I think a lot of times we have this idea that anger is just this really negative thing because the way we have often seen it expressed is not very positive. But I want you to think for a second about what anger really is. Anger is merely energy. It is a God-given energy. If you, would, if you want to just put kind of anger equals energy is a good way to think about it. In fact, we're told that the experience of anger is not a sin. It's an actual emotional response that your body physiologically often will, will, will respond to. And, and we find in Psalm chapter 4, verse 1, David, who had a lot of experience with this energy because of things that were going on, he was being chased, he was being, had spears thrown at him, and all this stuff. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, in your anger... So in the state of this, this energy, don't sin. Don't take it that next step. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Christ followers in Ephesus, he says in Ephesians 4.26, In your anger do not sin. And then Paul adds this little comment. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let that energy of anger continue to be flowing in your body for physical reasons, for your health. And then also what it does to you mentally. So why does God give you this potentially explosive energy? Ever thought about that? Why in the world? There's times in my life where I should, God, why did you create us this way? I mean, it seems to do so much damage. Why do you create people with anger? Why do you people, what about greed? What about this loss? Why do you, what's this about? And, and you have to understand what anger is. It's just energy. It's energy that's given for you to have so that you can either protect yourself in a life-threatening situation or it's energy that you have been given to protect someone else whose, whose life and livelihood, their being is being somehow threatened. There's some injustice taking place. So I remember one time, a number of years ago, I was in a parking lot, um, parked my car to go to this grocery store. I get out of the car, I get out, I go around the back of it, and I start heading around the back of my car. And as I'm going along past the car, all of a sudden there's this SUV that's just off to my left. And as I'm going by this SUV, out of the corner of my eye, I see this kind of black image come flying at me. And I hear this bang against the, the SUV, and I hear this voracious, voracious barking, this I look over and I'm, this is all happening in seconds and I'm just filled with fright and anger. I'm ready to punch the window. This dog's teeth are just bared at me and, and you know, it's, it's like Cujo, the, the second. This thing, and I, I want, you know, thank God there was a window between me and that dog or I'd have to kill it. No, you know. Yeah, that's kind of a joke. Anyway. But I, I mean, honestly, it, my, my reaction was, and here's what you have to understand. My first reaction is that you're vulnerable is fear. And right, right after the fear, it's a secondary emotion, what anger is. It's not really a primary, it's a secondary. You're vulnerable, you have fear, and then anger comes up and you have a choice within just a second to either fight or, or the flight thing, right? And honestly, I turned like this. 
And I, I, I was just like a milliseconds from, from, from just hitting the window and probably breaking my fist. And, and I got done, and I, I, you know, I did what any wise person would do who's been trained in godliness. You know, went to seminary. Um, I tormented that dog for ten minutes. No. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I wanted to. But I walked in, and it took, it took a few moments for this, this adrenaline to begin to kind of flow out of my body. See, anger is just a protective gift from God that we can so often misuse. It's used also to protect others. So you need to know this idea of anger. God isn't displeased or he's not disgusted. He's not angry when you feel this emotion of anger. What he wants you to do is in your anger, not sin. It's used to protect others. And in this sense, it's standing up for those who are experiencing injustice. It's um, not just self-protective, it's protective of, of, of the people that God places around us. And Jesus so perfectly used this energy, which we call self-righteous energy, in the lives of other people. In fact, you, you have to understand that when Jesus would do this, there was a time when he was um, at the last week of his death. And he, in that time, that passion week, as we're going to be kind of looking at this in the weeks to come, Jesus at one point comes in. Palms are waving. He's called to be king. He goes right to his house, which is his temple. He goes into his temple and he sees it being abused. He sees the court of the Gentiles, those who were furthest from God. Their whole court is taken up with these people who are all their doing is trying to make money. These were the people who were rich and wealthy and knew better, and they were the religious, and they gave them the right to do it, which meant the Gentiles could not come in there and approach God and pray to God. Jesus saw that. I'm sure he was immediately angered in his spirit. And he says he walked out of there, he took a day's walk back to Bethany, slept overnight, and on his way back came in, and he used his anger and cleansed the temple for the sake of those people. There's another passage of Scripture where you see Jesus in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says that he went back into the meeting place where he found a man who had a crippled hand. He's there in the synagogue. They're all worshiping. Here's a guy who needs healing. He needs someone to intervene on his behalf. And the Pharisees, it says, had their eyes on Jesus to see if he would heal them and hoping to catch him in a Sabbath infraction. Jesus, here's the courage of Jesus, said to the man with the crippled hand, stand where you are so we can, so everybody can see you. And then he spoke to the people. What kind of action suits the Sabbath best? When you come to worship like this, what is God interested in? And his response is he's interested in healing your hearts. He wants you to come more closely to him. He wants to take the hurts and the pains, the things within yourself, the things that would, would cause you to, to move into sinful behavior. He wants to clean that up. He wants to heal you. And so he says, what kind of action is best for the Sabbath? Doing good or evil? Helping people or leaving them helpless? No one said a word. Now, let me ask you, if I was to say that to you, do you think you'd just sit here quiet? No one says a word. And he looked them in the eye, one after another. Can you see? He just was like this, looking at everybody. Angry now, it says, furious at their hard-nosed religion. And he said to the man, hold out your hand. He held it out, and it was as good as new. And the Pharisees got out as fast as they could, sputtering about 
how they could join forces with their enemies, Herod's followers, in order to ruin him. The NIV, if you want more closer translation, says Jesus looked around at them in anger and, and did not sin. He deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand, and his hand was healed. Because Jesus did what was right, he used the energy, which we call anger, to come in and to heal and to protect an injustice. The Gospel of Luke tells the same story, but it ends it in verse 11 this way. He looked at them all and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so. His hand was completely restored. Now catch what they did. But they were furious. They were fools. But beyond that, they were evil. Catch what they do. And they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. In rage, they acted like fools. And they took it a step further and became business partners with evil figuring out how they could plot against him, and it says in Mark, ruin him. Anger is merely energy. It's an emotion that God gives you to protect yourself and to protect others. But what I have found in my own life is that I act so much more like the fool. I use my energy very selfishly. It's about getting what I want and what I need. It's about when I feel vulnerable, um, instead of coming to a place where I give that vulnerability to God and I begin to move into relationship, I tend to use my anger in reactive ways because it's really energy that's not thought about, not worked through, not mastered, not controlled. And I use it in reaction. And I've come to a belief that I think a lot of people, because of things that they haven't worked through, live more in reactionship with people than in relationship. So it's very important what you do with this. I... I remember as I, I mean, this, this week when I was preparing this message, I recalled an email I got. And the person said to me, I wanted to let you know that your Sunday message once again convicted me of issues I need to work on. This is this last week. If I heard correctly, the Bible divides people into groups of wise, foolish, or evil. And now I love the honesty of this individual because it's, I think, where many of us would be. They, the person said, that might keep it simple. But I find myself in the foolish group most of the time. And then depending how I react to situations would be considered wise or foolish or maybe even evil. And then in parentheses, who wants to be evil? Exclamation point. I don't know where you're at, but it's really important that you understand that this, this emotion which God has given you is, is given to you to use it in a way that really brings um, glory to him and greater relationship with other people. So let me ask you how you handle your anger. To handle anger well and effectively, I know you not only need to understand how you handle it in the kinds of ways it's handled, as Proverbs tells us. Not only do you need to, in this sense, understand what energy it really, you know, what anger is. It's just energy to help provide and protect. But it's this: you need to determine a plan. How are you going to use it when it comes up in your life? And I think what's really interesting is David in his Psalms gives us a picture of how you can handle it. And just in Psalm 4 is an incredible psalm because it kind of gives you, lays out in a sense, a way to handle your anger. And I want to walk you through five steps. And, and using the word anger, you can kind of pin it in your head. Here's how you use it. What I find interesting is Psalms is the emotional responses of this man, David, and others. And, and I find there are Psalms people and there are Proverbs people. There are people who love the practical, you know, every day, just tell me what to do. How many people here are Psalms people? 
Uh, you can almost divide people in that way. Yeah, can you're afraid to raise your hand. I'm, I'm How many people are Proverbs people? You know, there's a lot of people, you know, give me Proverbs. Well, I think Psalms um, is, in this case, one of those Proverbs things when you read the way that David handles it. He says in Psalm 4, verse 1, Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. This is one of these times again where David is going, help me out here. I've been misused, mistreated. Once again, I have people who were possibly my friends and now they turn up and they're not. And so he goes on and he says in verse four, in your anger. Now he's giving counsel because this is what he's learned. Do not sin when you're on your beds. Search your hearts and be silent. And then he makes this interesting statement. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. And since he says, offer righteous sacrifices to the Lord. So the first thing you do, when you, I want you to think about what's your plan. You need to understand how am I going to handle this emotion of anger, this energy that comes into your life. And the first thing is admit those areas where you have anger problems. Everybody has it somewhere. There are, there are people who you can say are more angry than others, but you need to really look at your life and say, where do I find this energy coming up in my life? According to Proverbs, it usually is in places that you react. Another wisdom book, Ecclesiastes, it warns this, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. Now, guess says, for anger resides in the lap of the fools, Ecclesiastes 7.9. It's this interesting kind of picture that anger is kind of sitting in your lap. There are certain occasions within your heart where you can be quickly provoked and that provoking causes anger to stir and the anger just becomes energized in you and you become a slave to it. And so where are those areas? You know, a lot of people feel they don't have any choice when it comes to anger. But the problem is, as I said, what happens is it moves so quickly. So you have to start getting to the point. Part of admitting it is saying, you know what, this is an issue. And it's part of it is not denying it any longer. Part of it's starting to say, you know what, this is this causes problems with me and another person. This causes problem with me and my children. This causes problem with me and my my spouse or partner or whoever. This is something that needs to be dealt with. When I'm at work, my anger gets in the way of really being a good manager or being a good boss or being a good employee. And I don't know any better way to begin to start dealing with it than just coming before God and saying, God, I admit that I have this area that I need to bring before you. I need to get serious about it. And if you are serious about it, I know of one of the best things you can do is to begin to take the word of God and begin to study everything it says about anger and say, God, as I study this, I want you to reveal to my heart. Where are these places? What's going on? But you got to admit it. The second thing you do is an interesting thing. It's anger. A N is nothing. The word of God, in a sense, says do nothing. Do not sin. Sin is the way in, in this sense you react with your flesh. It's your it's your natural reaction. Whenever we see in the in scripture, um, especially in some of your versions that are that, that they, they say in in the New Testament that they acted in a fleshly way. It means that you're just acting naturally. You're responding not according to the spirit, but you're responding according to what is your flesh, which is natural. And so he basically says, in your anger, do not sin. There's another um, psalm in Psalm 37, 8, where David, again, who has been under attack again and again, has plenty of reason to let his anger go. His advice from experience is this. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do nothing. Don't fret. Don't let it begin to boil within you because it only will lead to evil. 
As David and, and Paul agree in your anger, stop. Just don't do what comes natural. Don't do what your flesh wants to do. You know, when someone hits you, you want to do what? You want to hit back. When someone puts you down, your, your immediate response is to want to put them down. When you feel attacked, and the key word here is feel, because a lot of times something might happen and you may feel that way. There are a lot of things that cause anger to come out. They're like a bruise that was hit a long time ago and someone comes by and brushes it and you react like this and the person's going, what's going on? Pay attention to those things. Pay attention. And, and when those things happen, admit that area and then begin to do nothing. Don't react. Say nothing. It's, it's the old little thing your, your parents may have told you. Count to ten. Because what's happening when you get angry is it's just an automatic response. What's going on is your amygdala, this little part in your brain, that brainstem, it's an emotional response. It's emotional reaction to something in your memory. And what happens when you count to ten is you step away from it with time. And as time does that, it's like when, that, when I was you know, walking away from that dog, my, I felt the adrenaline go out of my body. What happens is your neocortex, your frontal lobe, begins to engage once again and you start thinking a little more rationally so you can become a master of that energy. It's really simple. It's, it's pretty biological in that sense. And so he says, just don't do anything. The best thing to do is to count to ten. It's to take a time out. And the third thing he says is get away. Get away and talk to God. He says, in your anger, do not sin when you're on your bed. So he's now, he's taken some time and now he gets away and he goes to his bedroom. He's not saying go to bed. He's saying stop and get away to a place of quiet. Get away to an inner place where you can talk to God and you can begin to process this situation. So not only do you admit it and not only do you do nothing, now you get away so that you can begin to process it. You know, wives, you need to understand that from some of the stuff when I was doing on the marriage series back in the fall, I remember one of the things I was reading about, they said uh, often what will happen is men want to leave a situation when it gets become heated and, and you're trying to get them to talk more and they just want to go. They, what they've said is a lot of times is they, they are basically just trying to get away because they're trying to do that. They're trying to not to respond. They're trying. Now, you have to re-engage, guys. But there are some times where you, you just need that separation some distance because you're in a place where you're not able to think rationally. And then the, the fourth thing, this is an incredibly important one, is to examine your reaction. So as you admit where you might have anger problems, you, be, you, you do nothing and then you get away. Now you examine your actions. David says the, the next line in verse 4 of Psalm 4, In your anger do not sin when you're on your beds. Catch this. Search your hearts and be silent. There's almost a sense of shut up the self-talk, all your plans, all the things. You know, I can't believe this. And all the self-pity. Just shut up and be quiet and listen to what God. Begin to examine your heart and say, God, it's not about them right now. This is, this is taking responsibility for your own life. It's not about them. It's about me. What is going on inside of me? What is it that maybe was hit that's causing this reaction? If it's not something about being life-threatened, I've got to share with you, if you're in a situation, you're maybe in a marriage or an abusive situation, it's life-threatening, let the anger do its work and protect yourself. But most often, that's not the case. I shouldn't say most often. You need to determine that. In your case, it could be. But what, for, for a lot of people, it's a matter of, of actually saying, okay, God, what's going on here? 
And that's that's where, again, reading God's word, getting away and praying. That's where I really encourage counseling. There, there is, you know, we have those services, opportunity to do that or being in a small group where you have safe people. You can begin to talk about what's going on. You can be in a safe group, even as a couple or if you're in a situation with other parents and where you can begin to say, this is what's going on. And the other thing you have to understand when you begin to understand this whole idea of anger, anger is learned behavior. Proverbs says it this way. I like the way Proverbs says it in Proverbs 22, 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. It's this idea, be careful who you hang around with. Because you know what? Again, as you were told as a kid, who you hang around with is who you become. Now, here's something to realize. Some of you had no choice because you grew up in families that handled anger in such a way that it was pretty destructive. And you're going, well, why do I have it? Well, you, you hung around with someone, you, but I didn't have a choice. Of course you didn't. But you know what? Now you do. God has come. Jesus wants to come and be your ally and friend in dealing with this. Now you have a choice. You don't have to hang around with that any longer. You can begin to understand. You can begin to examine. And in part of that way of examining it, here's really important. You need to understand that anger disguises itself. It's one of these things where you name it and claim it. You admit it. You do nothing. You get away. And now and you begin to examine it. You begin to say, how does anger show up in my life? Because you might be going, well, I'm not explosive. You know, I, I don't have a lot of my lap. Can I tell you that anger is so, it, it's so disguised it comes in critical spirits? As I was going through this and looking at all the different Proverbs and, and through some of the wisdom literature, it comes in resentment. You may not do anything, say anything, but it comes in what happens within your spirit. Anger is about resentment. It, it comes in cynical and in, in what I would call sarcastic attitudes and statements that you make. It comes through um, a rebellious attitude when you start to think of yourself with regard to authority. If you see yourself and your spirit constantly going like this, it's a, it's a form of anger. You have to begin to start saying, you have to be really wise by the Spirit of God when you examine these things. You'll be able to, to name what's really going on. And if you can name it, then you can begin to admit it. And then you can start working through the process. But if you don't, you'll never know it. So you have to hang around people who will be honest with you and say, you know what? You really have a critical spirit. Yeah, do you have that kind of relationship where a person will be able to say to you? I have kids who will tell me stuff like that. And I'll go, you're crazy. That's not right. No. Um, anger comes in intimidation. This idea to control. A lot of times in our life, what happens is instead of knowing who we are in Christ and the value we have in Christ, when you feel vulnerable, you feel less than when you feel in this place where you're underneath, you have to get to this place where you feel bigger and better than. And so when you get to that kind of place, you have to get big. It's what animals do. You ever seen a cat when they're afraid their hair goes up on their back? The reason they do that is to look big. I, I can I can tell you there's a lot of people in the work world. That's how they run their their businesses. They get really big. They get their anger out there because their anger motivates you to do something. And it's not godly. There are some CEOs who have made a fortune using anger as the energy that's driven the whole company. That's not godly. There's all kinds of models. You got to name it. What is it? And then finally, this you need to redirect this energy and you can take this energy and use it in a constructive way. That's where David says in verse 5 of chapter 4, In your anger do not sin, search your hearts, examine it, 
and then offer right sacrifices. Because any time you take and you feel this sense of anger coming up, you, something has been hit, this vulnerability where you feel hurt or something, um, um, some pain, whatever it is, you actually say, God, I give you this pain. I'm not going to react back. I'm going to use this in a way that's constructive. Maybe it's entering into a very rational relationship where you talk through this thing with someone. Or maybe you need to do like this woman did when she felt such great injustice. One day she got a phone call and her daughter had been killed and she heard about it and she began to cry. It was senseless. It didn't. It was one of these things where she immediately became enraged. And as she thought about it, she wanted to take revenge. And Cindy, her name's Cindy Leitner. As she was thinking about it, she thought about her daughter, who was, was older at this time. She had been driving a car. Her car was hit. Her daughter was, was you know, going to be married, and she was thinking about the kids that she have, and she thought of all the things that she wanted to do, all the experiences, and all these dreams evaporated because of the senseless death. And she got mad. And many of you here, you know, M-A-D-D. She got mad. She took her anger. She started an organization Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And she took this energy, which she could have done in a way that could have been very against an individual, could have hurt herself. And she used that energy in a positive way that has changed the social problem. And so what are you going to do with it? You know what? Jesus um, was sent because we offended God. Think about it. God could re, re, you know, could have been revengeful. He could have came off after all of us and never given anybody a second chance. But God offered a right sacrifice. He actually offered his son. He took his own wrath, which was to take away our sin and separate it from us so that we could have a relationship with him. That's what you do with your anger when you take and separate it. You separate it from the sin so that you can use it in a way. That's positive and can change lives. And so when you think about anger, it's just those those words. Admit nothing. Get away. Examine and redirect. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and close us in this time of worship.